0: turn to the Word of God tonight to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. In my own church, I'm currently preaching a series through the Judge Gideon, and tonight I bring you one of those sermons from verses 17 through 24, and the Lord willing, next Sunday evening, from Judges chapter 7. Let's read, beginning at Judges 6 verse 1, let's read the first 24 verses and the text being verses 17 through 24. Judges 6 verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till they'll come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drove them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came... An angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash, the Abbey and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And now what follows, 17 through 24, will be the text. And he, Gideon, said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour, the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there arose up fire out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight, and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah. Shalom. And to this day, it is yet in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Thus far, we read God's holy and inspired word. God add his blessing to the reading of his word. The text tonight, verses 17 through 24 of Judges chapter 6. Beloved congregation, what beautiful, wonderful words the angel of Jehovah spoke to Gideon when Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press. That angel of Jehovah said, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And the angel, in effect, going on and saying, Gideon, go in this thy might, and you will save Israel from the hand of Of Midian. Gideon, you feel yourself to be insufficient for this labor, and that's good, but know that I will be with thee, and that you will smite the multitude of the Midianites as one man. That's what the angel says to Gideon. Not that you, being that one man, will smite them, but that multitude of the Midianites will be as one man that you will go out and smite. And destroy them. And this word of God to Gideon was a sure word, a word that certainly will come to pass. As the angel says at the end of verse 14, Have not I sent thee? Because when God calls men and when God sends men, then the purpose of God will always be. Accomplished. And therefore, when God calls Gideon to be judge and to deliver Israel, then you can be sure that's exactly what will happen. And the Israelites will, in fact, be delivered. And God will use Gideon for that purpose. And hearing these initial words of the angel, Gideon says in verse 17, if now I have found grace in thy sight. And that's not Gideon wondering. I I wonder if perhaps I might be the recipient of God's grace, but this is Gideon acknowledging that indeed he is the recipient of God's grace. God spoke these beautiful words to him. Gideon knows that God will use him to go out And to defeat the Midianites, Gideon knows that he is not deserving to be used of God for such a grand and noble purpose. Gideon knows that it's it's not my work, it's not my merit, I'm, I'm a weak man. And Gideon rightly, being a man of faith then, recognizes these words of the angel to him to be the sweet and gracious Words of Jehovah God unto him. And what wonderful, beautiful words these are to us as well. Gracious and undeserved words. These are the words of deliverance, the words of salvation. This is the word of Jesus Christ who is the judge, the deliverer, the savior to deliver us not from the Midianites but to deliver us from all our sins and it will surely come to pass. But now all of this is too much for Gideon to take in at the moment. He is a mighty man of valor. He is a great man of faith, but at the moment he is simply he's simply overwhelmed with what is happening to him and what is taking place before his eyes. And so he asks for a sign, verse 17 speaking to the angel, show me a sign that thou talkest with me. And in asking for the sign, Gideon also says in verse 18, wait here until I bring forth my present and set it before thee. So that Gideon asks for a sign and immediately says, and I have a present for thee. We'll explain what those words mean. But this shows the closest relationship between the sign that Gideon asks for and the present that he offers. Well, let's explore this passage and let's see how God further prepares and assures Gideon uh, in his call to be judge in Israel and to deliver the people from the hand of Midian. We take as our theme Gideon's request for a sign. Let's note this present of Gideon. In the second place, let's note the fear of Gideon once God answered and gave him that sign. And finally, the peace of Jehovah. Gideon's request for a sign. Here in the passage before us, Gideon requests a sign and he follows that up with the present that he has to offer. Now, when Gideon asks for a sign, and what I'm about to say here about this sign also holds true for the sign that Gideon will later ask about the sign of the the fleece of wool being dry and then being, being wet with the ground being dry. But when Gideon asks for a sign, he doesn't make this request out of unbelief. As if Gideon is saying, I just can't believe that this is true, that I'm called to be judge, and Jehovah, I'm just finding it really hard to believe that you're going to use me to deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. That's just simply too far for me. I can't believe it. That's not the reason Gideon asks for a sign. But the reason that Gideon asks for a sign is this, is that at the moment, Gideon is simply overwhelmed with what has transpired and with this messenger that's standing before him. It appears that Gideon isn't even fully aware of who this messenger might be. Now, Gideon knows that This is a special messenger, knows that this messenger before him is sent from God, a messenger who is different even from Gideon, a messenger that Gideon knows that here standing before me is my spiritual superior, and Gideon asks for a sign to confirm that this special messenger sent from God is really speaking to him and, and, and that I'm not just imagining this or seeing a vision. Gideon says, if I found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. And This tells us then that Gideon's request for a sign does not arise out of unbelief. There are times in Scripture when that is the case, perhaps even more often than not, when a sign is requested, but that sign is asked out of unbelief. You remember in the New Testament, Jesus says, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And Jesus was speaking that to the Pharisees. Because they did not believe that the Old Testament scriptures that spoke of the Messiah to come could be fulfilled in this man, Jesus, standing before them. Even with the word of Jesus and the miracles he performed. And yet they would not believe. And they made a wicked request for a sign. We don't believe the word of God. We don't believe what you say, Jesus. Show us something more. Give us a sign. And that was a sign asked out of unbelief. You remember as well the parable of Jesus in Luke chapter 16. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man dies and goes to hell. Lazarus dies and goes to be in heaven, in the bosom of Abraham. And that rich man says to Abraham, warn my brothers which are on earth about the torments of this place. And if they could actually see someone who is risen from the dead and to tell them, then they will believe. Which was nothing less than a request for a sign. And Abraham says, no, They have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. And if they don't believe and won't hear the word of God, then all kinds of miraculous signs, even somebody rising from the dead, will serve them no good. And these wicked requests for a sign always involve unbelief, always putting the demand upon God to prove that he is true to his word. And so don't put Gideon in that camp. Gideon doesn't ask out of unbelief. Gideon is simply asking for confirmation that he, he isn't dreaming all of this up and that this messenger is really speaking to him. Gideon continues, verse 18, depart not hence I pray thee until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And the implication being that this present Gideon will bring is also somehow related to the sign that he asks for. The messenger agrees and says, I will tarry until thou come again. And so Gideon goes on his way and he proceeds to prepare something of a meal for this messenger. We read of that in verse 19. Gideon kills one of the young goats and prepares that meat. Gideon also makes bread. Unleavened cakes, the Bible says, of an ephah of flour of an ephah. It's hard to know exactly how much an ephah is, but according to the commentators, an ephah was enough flour to make enough bread to feed at least between 10 and 30 men. So this was not a small amount of flour, small amount of bread. This was a large provision. And then Gideon took the broth and put it into a pot and that broth would have been all of that, all of that fatty juice that came from preparing the meat. And here we ought to pause and note something, even though it's not the main point, but we ought to mention it. Is that we ought to, cons- ought to consider the hospitality of Gideon. He goes out of his way to entertain this spiritual stranger. The food is not meant for Gideon. He's not thinking of himself, but he's thinking of this messenger. And note that Gideon is so generous in this present to this messenger. All of that meat that would come from a young goat, all those unleavened cakes of bread, enough to feed many men and all of that good, savory broth that's there in that pot. Gideon wasn't of the mind that this is for the both of us, but Gideon was of the mind, here, messenger, this is all for you. And note that Gideon, in his hospitality, also sacrifices of his own time and resources for the good of this messenger. Gideon doesn't call his wife, doesn't call for a servant to help him in the preparation of this. More than likely, Gideon is all by himself, but Gideon says, nothing is too much for me to do for the good of this stranger. And remember as well that good fruit, good food and good bread at this time in the history of Israel is very difficult to come by The Midianites are swarming the land, and there is great impoverishment in Israel. But Gideon gave virtually everything that he had, the best food, in such generous quantity for this stranger sent by God who has now entered into his life. And Gideon here shows himself then to be a good example to us of hospitality, Generosity. And it makes us think of that passage in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Which is an immediate reference to Abraham, Entertaining those angels. But it just might also uh, be referring to Gideon who entertained this angel. But a good example of kindness and hospitality. Well, what happens to this meal Gideon presents to this angel? The angel tells Gideon what to do with it. Verse 20. And the angel of God said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And to pour out that broth, not simply to pour out that broth in a separate place down on the ground over there, but to pour out that broth all over the meat and all over those unleavened cakes of bread. Similar, I suppose, to what Elijah did in First Kings 18 with the contest uh, with the prophets at Baal at Mark, Mount Carmel, how Elijah took all that water and he poured it over the sacrifice and then even all about the altar. And that's what Gideon does here with this broth. And then comes verse 21. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand And touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And now, perhaps, the words of the angel start to make a little bit more sense when the angel says to pour out all that broth, meaning to pour it out over the meat and over the bread, just like. Elijah poured out all that water upon the, sac- upon the sacrifice. So now Gideon to pour out all that broth over the food. But the reason is this, to make it clear to Gideon that what is about to happen is going to be a miracle because food that is soaked in broth does not naturally catch on fire. But here it does. And the only explanation is that this is the work of God. And as the events unfold, this tells us of the intent of Gideon. And here I draw your attention to that word present in verse 18. Gideon says, "Wait here until I come back and give you my present." And that word present is the word offering. Now, Gideon probably hoped, we don't know, but perhaps Gideon hoped that this special messenger of Jehovah would partake of this food, and thereby Gideon would be assured that this heavenly messenger was sent by God. But the angel does more. The angel consumes that food, not with his mouth, but by way of fire. Out of the rock, and what ends up happening is that this present, this offering, given to this angel, now becomes an offering in the official sense of the word. So that meat becomes, uh, that meat becomes that burnt offering. The bread becomes the meal offering. The bread becomes the drink offering. And that fire licking up and devouring that food tells us that God receives the offering of Gideon, receives his praise and his worship. And that was the sign that Gideon was looking for. And God answered his sign, gave him that sign. But what good comfort for us that God receives The praise and the worship of his people. God hears our prayers of love and devotion. God receives the worship and praise that we offer to him. And God, as it were, devours those prayers up and receives all that praise that we render unto him. And insofar as Gideon asks for a sign and then renders his present, his offering to the angel, the Lord has answered Gideon's request. And now Gideon is entirely assured of the angel's identity. And if there were any doubt in Gideon's mind, that angel quickly departed and Gideon knew But then Gideon exclaims in verse 22, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. So Gideon asked for a sign, and God granted that sign. Now Jehovah God still works today with signs. God gives us signs to strengthen and to nourish our faith. He gives us signs to assure us, as Gideon was assured that God was with him, so God gives us signs to assure us that he is with us. Now, the signs that God gives today are not the signs of the Pentecostals and the Charismatics. Those would be the kind of signs of the the speaking in tongues, the healing of the sick, the handling of the serpents, the drinking of poisonous drink and not dying, those signs were limited to the days of the apostles and then ceased. And those signs are no more. And neither do we look for signs of the appearance of an angel that might perhaps come and speak to me like angels did come in the Old Testament and the New Testament and at times spoke to God's people, neither do we look for continued signs of dreams and visions and think that God would speak to us in those dreams and in those visions and and tell me of what I have to do in life and give me some guidance and give me some direction and if only I can have (laughs) this dream, then my life would be better? No. All that amounts to is the false hope and the false doctrine of the Pentecostals who teach that God still works today by those kinds of signs and wonders. But we know that all those supposed signs and wonders are nothing but false doctrine and departure. We don't look for those kinds of signs, not for those kinds of wonders, but nonetheless, God does give us signs. In the first place, all of the miracles of Scripture, all of those miracles of Scripture, not only signs for the immediate people, but they are also signs for all of the New Testament church. And we know that all the miracles in the Bible are signs, Because Jesus says, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there will no sign be given unto it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. And that was a sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a miracle God performed that testified to the truth of resurrection. But then all of the other miracles in scripture confirming that Jesus is the son of God to do these miracles, the miracles that Jesus performed and the miracles the apostles performed are signs that these are in fact men sent from God to proclaim the word of God and to hear that word. And so all the miracles of scriptures are still serve as signs for us. In the second place, we can also speak of particular signs in the church. And here I have in mind, namely, those two signs, two signs and seals, the sacraments, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the sacrament of baptism. And in those signs, we are pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the judge and the deliverer, even as those signs confirm what we hear in the preaching. And God declares to us in baptism, God declares to us in the Lord's Supper, I wash all your sins away, even as I sent judges in the Old Testament to deliver my people from the hands of the enemy. So I send the judge, Jesus Christ, to deliver you from all your sins. I make you clean. I feed you. I nourish you with good spiritual life. And I give you the heavenly land. These are the signs that God gives to us. These are great signs, wonderful signs, the signs of the sacraments. And now we as the church of Jesus Christ, we are content with these signs that God gives unto us, the miracles of the Bible, the signs of the sacraments. We don't need anything else. And we don't go looking for all sorts of extra-biblical signs and revelations and wonders. To do so is to tempt God And to be like that wicked and adulterous generation which is never content with the word of God and with the signs of the sacraments which confirm that word. After the angel consumed the sacrifice and vanished out of sight, the response of Gideon was the response of fear. Gideon was afraid. And even then to say that he was afraid is an understatement. That Gideon, uh, the word here when he was afraid means he was absolutely terrified. And he was terrified because now the reality has sunk in. I've come face to face with an angel of Jehovah. And not simply an angel, but more correctly, I've come face to face with the angel of Jehovah. And Gideon was frightened, and he was terrified. But it's exactly here in his moment of terror that you see the faith of Gideon come bursting forth Because you see that Gideon is terrified. This tells us something about Gideon. This tells us that Gideon was a man of God. It tells us that he was a man who knew the word of God. Gideon knows the words, for example, that Jacob spoke. After Jacob wrestled with God, Genesis 32, verse 30, Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. and that was marvelous to Jacob. I've come face to face with God, and I'm supposed to be dead, but my life is preserved. because Jacob knew what the rule is is that if you come face to face with Jehovah God, you die, but God preserved his life. Gideon knew. Gideon also knew the words of Exodus 33, verse 20, God speaking to Moses at Mount Sinai. And God said, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see my face and live. And so now I trust you see what the the fear of Gideon is. The fear and the terror. Of Gideon is this, I'm going to die. I've come face to face with an angel of Jehovah and no man who comes face to face with God lives. Now I say, this shows to us the great faith and the strong faith of Gideon. Remember, that's how the angel addressed him, thou mighty man of valor, which means that Gideon was a great man of faith, and though even at this moment, even though Gideon had that fear that he was going to die at any moment, and yet at the same time, Gideon has this good and healthy fear of God. Gideon is as much confessing that God is a God of holiness Too pure of eyes to behold evil. And Gideon is familiar with the word of God. Gideon has spent time in God's word. God preserved that word in Gideon's family so that Gideon loved that word of God and embraced that word of God. And you can be sure as Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press that he was rehearsing in his mind all of the promises of God. And all of the great deliverance that God has given unto his people. So that even here in Judges 6, in what some may say, is Gideon's weakest moment. Oh, I'm about to die. This is the end of me. And yet we say, this shows us what kind of a man this Gideon was. He shows himself to be strong in faith as a man who knows the truth and the holiness of Jehovah God. And beloved, may that be true of us, that we have this healthy fear and reverence for Jehovah God in a day and an age in which we live where the true knowledge of God is mocked. And people scoff at the Bible and shake their heads at people who would place their trust in the word of God. Where Jehovah God in our culture is set forth as an an old grandfather up there in the heavens. Who is powerless to accomplish his purposes. Allowing all kinds of sin to go unpunished. That's not our knowledge of God. We know who God is, the almighty God of heaven and of earth, the one true and living God. And we know what we are by nature, filthy, polluted sinners, and we know who God is, holy, pure, and righteous, and just, and that we too would be finished if we came before Jehovah God standing in our sins, but faith also confesses, but I know that I won't perish because because I am righteous in Christ and my sins are forgiven. And so though Gideon has come face to face with the angel of God and knows it, but now is not the time for Gideon to die. And so soon as the angel vanishes, Gideon exclaims, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And what we see following is the mercy and the peace of Jehovah God that comes flooding upon Gideon's heart and soul. There is the mercy to Gideon because immediately as that terror sets in his heart, God comes to him. And has mercy and reassures him. Verse 23, the Lord said to Gideon, peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. This is the mercy of God to Gideon. The mercy of God is that he does not leave his saints to tremble endlessly in their pain and suffering and misery. God gives a reassuring word of comfort, fear not. You won't die, Gideon, but you will live. Not only a word of mercy, but then also a word of peace. Because after God says that Gideon won't die, then we have verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Gideon built an altar, and he called it Jehovah Shalom. Now, this isn't the first time that we come across altars in the Bible being named after Jehovah. Earlier in the Old Testament, consider Abraham, Genesis 22, God commanding him to kill his own son Isaac, and God then providing that ram caught in the thicket. And Abraham offers that ram. And Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord provides. Jehovah provides. Or in Exodus chapter 17, verse 15, Moses, after God gave the Israelites a victory over the Amalekites, then Moses builds an altar. And he calls it jehovah Nisi, Jehovah is my banner. And now here is Gideon. He builds an altar. Jehovah Shalom, which means Jehovah is peace. Peace comes from Jehovah. And what a fitting name this is for this altar. And again, we see Gideon's faith. God doesn't tell Gideon to give it this name. This was Gideon's name for it. This is his faith. This is his response, uh, the response of Gideon to the peace-giving word of God because God said, peace be unto thee. And Gideon, for that, uh, Gideon meant, it meant for Gideon because God spoke it. I do have peace. Peace. I won't die, but I will live. That was peace in Gideon's heart. But by calling the altar Jehovah Shalom, Gideon is also confessing that Jehovah God is going to bring peace to his people and to the Israelites at large. God or Gideon didn't name the altar Gideon Shalom. Abraham's shalom, Moses' shalom, they are not the ones who will bring peace to Israel, but the one who brings peace will be Jehovah God. And that is amazing amidst all the present turmoil in the land of Israel. And from a human point of view, there is simply no way out of this great impoverishment that the Israelites are going through for seven years in a row at the hand of the Midianites. See the Midianites swarm the land, looting, pillaging, plundering, killing, and stealing. And you see the turmoil and the chaos that's going on in the land of Israel. But Gideon says, God will see to it. There will be peace. There will be tranquility. I have been preserved, and the enemy will be destroyed. I have peace in my heart, and there will come peace to God's people, Jehovah Shalom. And this Jehovah Shalom is the faith of Gideon in the Messiah that God will send, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, verse 6, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the one who will give us peace. He brings that peace by atoning for all our sins, washing all those sins away, doing away with that barrier of sin so that now we have free and ready access to God and we enjoy peace. And we enjoy harmony and union with our God and our Savior. And this is something, beloved, that we need to remember. For Gideon, this altar was a memorial altar. It wasn't meant to be a kind of altar that people would continually be sacrificing upon year after year. But this was an altar to remember the peace that comes from Jehovah God. And for many years, that altar served as that kind of a memorial so that when people went by that altar, they would remember God was the one who gave peace to the land of Israel during the days of Gideon. And let's take that to heart. Let's remember that our God is a God of peace And mercy. God brings peace, peace to Gideon that he won't die. Peace to Gideon at a time of great turmoil. The Midianites are in the land, but the Midianites are no match for Jehovah God. Why not? Jehovah Shalom. And God brings peace to us so that our sins do not rule us, our sins do not control us because the Deliverer has come and provided relief. Jehovah Shalom, the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to him. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. Apply it to our hearts and lives. Grant that we also have a fear and reverence of Thee, Jehovah God, and that we too would seek our peace from Thee and that we would enjoy the peace that Thou hast granted us through the work of Jesus Christ, Thy Son. Keep us close unto Thee, draw us unto Thee, use this worship service to that end and cause us to re- rely upon Thy Word and to know its faithfulness, and trustworthiness, and that we would not go off into ways of seeking other kinds of signs and wonders, but that we may seek Thee and seek the signs and wonders that Thou hast given to us centrally in the virgin birth and in giving Jesus Christ for us men and for our salvation. We pray all this in Jesus' name alone. Amen. Amen.